Shane and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Happy, what is it, Wednesday? Happy Wednesday. Happy signing day. What are we doing? Come on, man. With yourself there. We are. The, we're, at the, we're halfway through the halfway through the week show. We're at the <laughs> nexus of the Sports Talk universe. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah there you go. Thank like you. That. Thank you for bringing that up since yeah, I did. I, 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 I listen to you. I listen to you. I, I, I you listen. teach me a lot of stuff. I listen to you, <laughs> too. We sit together in a little <laughs> Why room. Why are you turning red while you sit? Why you turning red? <laughs> you said, your vein is in your forehead. You said, I listen to you. <laughs> I listen to you all the time. I'm, 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 like I was like the nexus of the something. Yeah, we're at the. It's like the, the, the. I feel like I'm eating gook when you say that. The nexus a, of the nexus. That's, that's from a Seinfeld the muck episode. Of the that's muck a big of the apple yeah. pie. <laughs> hey, uh, no gelatinous muck. Yeah, that. it's gelatinous muck season, by the way, because during the holidays, people have pie. It's signing day. It's, 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 I know. Tennis, yeah, we you got. Do they we got have a breaking news sounder. <laughs> Breaking false news on 104.5 The Zone. Oh, oh, they have the big voice guy, too. Breaking false Did, news. Didn't Ryan Callahan say this guy? James Pierce. Yes. Yes, like yes he 37 did. minutes ago, we were like, hey, man, any potential surprises out there? And Callahan wistfully was like, well, there is one guy. They just got that guy. 6'5", 220 out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Number 22 edge rusher in the country, a four-star prospect, has signed with Tennessee. They need a pass rusher. Oh, Six man. five two twenty. He's full size. Mm-hmm. That's, that was my playing height and weight. What, you just reverse him six five to five six. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> change things. You got confused there. So <laughs> what involved those numbers? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he is. Uh, this has to put them in the top fifteen. They were six certainly. Yeah. That is that's a that's a win by. Had to beat by out UT. Georgia for him. Oh. Yeah, beat out Georgia for him. Yeah, that's that's you. Well, his primary recruiter at Georgia is now the head coach at Oregon. Oh, that might have yeah. helped him. Oh, yeah, that landing kid, right? Yeah, landing like, coach. Mm-hmm. He's like thirty five. Yeah. yeah, I never, I didn't even know who the DC. I'm a, <laughs> I had no idea who Georgia's DC was, man. Well, there, college football is going younger. I mean, yeah, they are. Auburn just hired Austin Davis, quarterback Austin Davis, as their new offensive coordinator. Who did? Thirty two years old, Auburn. Wait. Oh. To replace Mike Bobo. Austin Davis was. Who spent a little, a cup of coffee with the Titans. That's exactly who I'm talking about. Yeah. Was he a quarterback coach for Seattle this past Mississippi, season. Mississippi, uh, Southern Miss. Uh, yeah. That's the college he went to, Southern Miss. Southern Miss. And New then OC he, at Auburn. And then he started like two or three games for the Rams when all their quarterbacks got hurt one year. Yep. He kicked around the NFL for like six years. Austin Davis. There you go. That's, there's, your, there's your Austin Davis moment on the show today, everybody. Uh, so no, let's let's refresh these rankings. Tennessee, oh, they haven't. 15. Oh, they haven't. They haven't refreshed the rankings yet. Still shows them with nineteen commits. He's not on there. They were sixteen. Uh, they were just behind Florida State, who is fifteen. I, I, want, I mean, do you think the fan base is happy with being uh, Lucas naturally being a graduate from there, uh, Mickey, uh, with being in the top fifteen? I, I feel like that's a win. I, I, maybe I, maybe I'm just looking at it differently, but yeah, as, Ca- as Callahan said, I mean, you were looking at top twenty-five, top twenty, especially with the missed mm-hmm. opportunities in state. Uh, yes, I think at this point you can safely say he has surpassed expectations. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a big time. That's oh man. Well, it, <clears throat> at this point, you just good. you you got to just start beating out like Kentucky, who came in here as you pointed out earlier and got to Wade twins. And, yep. You know, Kentucky came in and they cleaned up. And, too, right? Yeah, and got to give. I cannot let that happen. Well, you got three big wins on the day that could have gone either way. The Justin Williams, four-star yep. running back, Auburn or Tennessee, went with Tennessee. Tyree West, the former Georgia commit defensive lineman, picks Tennessee over Florida State. And then most recently, James Pierce. 
Those are big. See, to me, them landing in the top 15 at this point, it's really no different than how the season went. I mean, it it, it just shows, like, things are on schedule. You know, they won seven games. They got a chance to win eight. They went to a bowl game. All that got handled. Callahan was thinking, gosh, if they could get in the top 25, well, they're going to be in the top 15 mm-hmm. as of this. So it's Josh Heupel, again, if, if there's a level of expectations to me, this is him kind of bowing over the top of it again. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, and I, I, I've always felt that they would be right at this point. I, I was saying six wins, so they got to seven, so that that's kind of right on par. Maybe could have even won more if you're kind of looking at the quarterback situation. You never know with that. Uh, but to me, you know, a lot of people say, you know, he built the foundation. Uh, to me, now the real work begins. So how much does he do? Because there's always going to be a question how big of a recruiter he is. So with another season, how good does he recruit then? And then where does the expectation goes with the fans? And that's going to be the real issue because – they potentially could win nine or ten games next year. You go back and look at their schedule, and then they, if they get Mays and Tillman back, they already got Hooker coming back. I mean, the expectations are going to be they're going to be up there, and that's where the pressure ratchets in on. Okay, can he you know coach under these these type of uh, eyeballs watching now with the expectations at, at nine going in? Because there's, I mean, potentially they could have won nine this season. You go back and look; they could easily be pit. They could have, then they could have, they could have won some if games. If Hendon Hooker starts the Pittsburgh game, do they win that game? I would say so. I think so. Yeah, I would say so. And then of all the games to lose, Florida, who who just went. Well, that was the one drop there that, that receiver was, dropped that pass. Yeah. That kind of changed the tenor of that whole game. But uh, yeah, and then now Florida is a to me with a change of coach that could be winnable. Like now. You don't know what's going to happen with their quarterback situation. Mm-mm. Those guys made by Moose. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of people fan Moose. And that transfer portal is like, oh, it's like it, my it, plate at oh, Thanksgiving. Man. It's so full. There's not room for anything else. Well, with the extra year the players got in college, they are really the middle-of-the-road elite players are getting left out in dust in high school. I mean, they there's some good players. So, you know, guys like, uh, you know, schools like uh, Ball State and Arkansas State is going to be sweeping up against some good players. That's <laughs> how I look at it. Cause the transfer hey, portal has got guys who, you know, who you can look at and see and you know what they can do. Sure. And, that, you know, coaches are going that way. And I see why. And then, you know, the NLI, I mean, good Lord. I mean, that's just, oh my, that's a whole nother layer. As Lane Kiffin said, these guys are free agents. Yeah. Hey, the NLI is going to pay me over this amount. Are you going to beat that? Uh-oh. I'm, I'm looking at rivals, guys. Have you? I, I had 24-7 pulled up on my iPad because we had Ryan Callahan on earlier. By the way, you will you will want to catch that on the podcast later today. You also want to listen. Go back and listen to yesterday's podcast. We had a call at the end of the show that was amazing. A gentleman called from Kentucky. His wife was in her car in the tornado. It picked her up, moved her down a hill, and laid the car down with her in it. Not a scratch on her, not a scratch on the car. It's unbelievable. Uh, it, it was unbelievable. Uh, Tennessee on rivals, number 12. Woo! 12. So 24-7, it doesn't look like has updated yet with the uh, addition of Pierce. Dang. I mean, you get close to top 10. Mm-mm. That's a good and a bad because people go, well, we had a top 10 recruiting class. You got to win nine games. <laughs> what, is, what is the next logical stop, though? If they win this bowl game and Purdue has two pro players that aren't going to play, Carl Aftis and oh, – they're going to win this game. 
Is. I mean, you got to win that game. Although their yeah. quarterback still slings it around, they they sling it around. Well, and Purdue just randomly knocking off top five teams this year. Yeah, they're one of the stranger teams in college football. But you're talking about next year. Yeah. What's the logical if they if they win this eighth game in a bowl game, people are going to say, "Don't you have to win eight? nine nine and three? I think so. Yeah. There's a path for that because you play a Kenny Pickett less Pittsburgh team. That's uh-huh. true on the road. Yeah, Pickett's going to be the number one quarterback drafted. Yeah, he ACC champs. <laughs> Clemson finally oh, drops off, doesn't win the ACC, and Tennessee plays Pittsburgh the of year course. they win it. But uh, no, I think there's a path to nine and three there. If you beat one of Florida or LSU and Pittsburgh, it's there. It's all laid out for yeah, you because the coaching change at Florida LSU, I think, is ripe for the opportunity. Yeah. Hey man, this is a good time right now, man. And then. Then his offense. I mean, they putting up points, and then the defense is just all about penetrating, slanting, you know, getting in the backfield, causing havoc. And this, and then you'll have to deal with probably your your DC leaving after next year. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what's gonna happen. You're gonna have to. You win nine games, man. It's, yeah. Then you have all the things that go with success. People poach your coordinators and, and that kind of thing. Um, if you were an offensive football player, Josh Heupel's thing works. It worked at Missouri. It worked at. I mean. It's worked everywhere, and you go back and look at Oklahoma, and he kind of got sacrificed for other stuff that was happening. His offense works. It it never doesn't work. It worked amazingly at UCF. If you're an offensive football player, you I mean, looking your chops, man. You hey got, man, you're gonna have stats galore. Running back, quarterback, we run 90, receiver. Ninety five plays every game. That's opportunities for everybody. You are going to eat. Is that appealing to linemen though? Mm. I don't know. I mean, they're doing a fine, they're doing a fine job. It. I'm just yeah. saying, if I'm an old lineman, I don't know if that's what I want to hear. Well, we got to say, hey, coach, we need to run a little bit more than I want to. But they, yeah, they, they, it's it's really about your recovery. They were running plays every like twelve seconds. Yeah. So how quickly can you recover and get back? Now, gotta know that the defensive guy is gonna be more tired than you because no way you can practice against this. Right. So you still have an edge, and I get it. You know, so you can show you a good run blocker as well as pass blocker. I, I think I think you can. I really do. After watching for a year, I think you can. Well, Maybe not some of the top tier guys, but some guys who and they do a good job of development. I think they can. But a really athletic guy who's maybe two ninety instead of three fifteen. Late bloomer who yeah. played basketball and all of a sudden he's a football player his last two years and he's you yeah. know underdeveloped and they go uh oh this dude has the athleticism we just got to put a little weight on him. Mm-hmm. They can do that in college. They got I mean get it to all of us pizza. Yeah, yeah, they do it differently. Oh, yeah, I definitely, yeah, that pepperoni stuff, even in the morning when it was cold. No microwave. <laughs> well, I just ate it straight out of the refrigerator. I had a friend who would leave the box on the coffee table and then eat it straight off the coffee Oh, table. everybody did that. Come Not on with now. sausage, so it's pork. You can't, you oh, can't put it. Well, it didn't matter. We were college students. It's going down. <laughs> I had a cat stomach even then, bro. I can't eat pork. It's been sitting oh, out Oh, man, night. I was putting it down. I didn't care. Uh, let's do this. Uh, Jordan DeJani is going to join us next. We'll talk NFL. There's some crazy stories, especially with all this COVID stuff. But right now, speaking of COVID, the Preds have, what, six players and six other members of their organization right now dealing with COVID. So, it, yeah, just be careful out there, everybody. Uh, but it is winning Wednesday for you. Uh, 104.5 The Zone and the National Predators. Be called number five now for a chance to win tickets to tomorrow. Let's hope tomorrow night's game. Tickets are still good. They're still good first. if they get postponed. Okay. Oh, yes, they'll still be good. So, for whenever the Preds play the Avalanche, as early as tomorrow night in Smashville, the puck – potentially would drop at 7 o'clock. Uh, you can be caller number five. You can win the Predators' regular season tickets uh, to all games are on sale now 
to the general public. Get yours today and paint the town, Preds. Go to Bridgestone Arena. Don't miss out on any hockey this season. When we come back, we won't miss out on NFL talk with Jordan DeJani. That's next on Blade and Mickey. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone, National Signing Day. The Vols land uh, James Pierce, who's a four-star, kind of on the fence. We had Callahan on earlier, and he said, that would be the surprise that might happen, and it just happened. Mm-hmm. So they're up to number 12 on Rivals.com. Jordan Ajani, he's a UT grad, right? Jordan, do you follow all this signing day stuff? Hey, what's going on, guys? I wish. Uh, I've been pretty busy over the past couple of days. I remember when I was back in college, it was such an exciting day. You would stand outside the facilities and, and see as the names came through and everything like that. But unfortunately, as I've gotten older and, you know, actually have a career and things like that, uh, I've kind of fallen back. But I really do want to get back into it. Well, let's get into this. Uh, kind of some scary stuff. The, the Preds have now got a situation going. Uh, they had a game postponed this week because of it, covid and all around the NFL, there seem to just be positive tests soaring. What's the latest that's going on with the National Football League and anything to do with COVID-19 and that policy? Yeah, this is a big deal. Uh, we're approaching 100 players, triple digits, that are going to be on reserve COVID-19 lists around the 32 NFL teams. So because of this, this is the worst uh, COVID outbreak that the NFL has dealt with since the pandemic started. And because of that, uh, NFL media's Ian Rappaport reports that the league and the NFLPA are continuing to have discussions about potential changes to the COVID-19 protocols. And, you know, I would anticipate that some of these would be pretty big changes. I've seen a lot of different reports that would really kind of shape the game. I mean, we have Mark Mask of the Washington Post talking about how vaccinated asymptomatic players who test positive for the coronavirus could potentially return to the team sooner, kind of get rid of that two-day different 24-hour tests um, that would come up negative for you to return to the facilities. Albert Breer is talking about basically incentivizing players to get those COVID-19 booster shots, um, not only because it's mandated, but because the NFL will stop testing those players who get those booster shots. So, We could see some serious changes to the protocol come down the line as soon as this afternoon. But the bottom line is that the NFL is going to have to make some changes because, as I stated, things are as bad as they've ever been when it comes to reserve COVID-19 lists and all of the notable names that are on it. Uh, The NFL definitely doesn't want to postpone games or cancel them, so they have to find a way to kind of get through this. I'm with uh, Jordan DeJani, CBS Sports, talking all things NFL on Blaine and Mickey like we do this time every week. Yeah, no doubt about it. That was my concerns yesterday as me and Mickey were talking that, you know, these outbreaks, and we was talking about the uh, Cardinals and the Rams and how they were missing, you know, Jalen Ramsey here locally, uh, and then how that can impact going into the playoffs, let alone playoffs, because the NFL will not be canceling any playoff games. Do you see them moving even some of these last uh, few, you know, four games or uh, uh, even playoff games? Yeah, that's a great question. So the NFL, as we know, they don't want to not only not cancel games, but they don't want to reschedule games as well. But I think that they have to allow for themselves an avenue in their minds where that might be possible. As long as you're not canceling the game, moving the the game a day or two might be coming down the line. Now, at this point, 
it's too early to, to uh, speculate on that just right now. I'm kind of more interested to see what exactly changes in the protocols we're going to see. But I think we always have to be open to that possibility, just in terms of things continue to get worse. If we see more, more positive tests come in tomorrow on Thursday, that's going to be something that we can discuss. Mm. Well, speaking of worse, I mean, is Urban Meyer going to be <laughs> surviving <laughs> the second season coming up? Or be, man, I, I mean, even the quarterback, Lawrence, doesn't even look better than the first time the Titans played him. Uh, so his development is not going in the right direction. I mean, I, I know he's making a, a ton, uh, I'm sure. Uh, but, man, I, I don't know if he's built for this. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, you know, Trevor Lawrence is an interesting point because there were points at the earlier part of the regular season where I really felt like he was developing positively. I thought, you know, he was going to kind of turn a corner, maybe move up into that top four of offensive rookie of the year odds. That didn't happen. I mean, the Jaguars had their bye week and he's kind of regressed every single week and he's not doing very well, which is tough because I think everybody understands that he, he, he possesses a lot of talent. He's somebody who can be a franchise quarterback in this league, but of course it's all about your situation and who you're learning under in, in terms of your development. That really is what turns into turns a player into a elite pro, if you will. Now, as for Urban Meyer, that's a very interesting scenario because we saw Shad Khan kind of come out yesterday or earlier this week, whenever it was, and talk about how he's not going to be hasty. He's not going to be emotional when it comes to trying to make a decision about Urban Meyer's future. And, My argument, well, maybe not argument, but point I would like to raise is, you know, maybe it would be a good decision to part with Urban Meyer. Just because you're being hasty with with this decision doesn't mean it's a bad one. Mm -hmm. I'm not necessarily campaigning for that, but you kind of have to sit back and see where exactly your franchise is heading. There there isn't much positive to take away from this first year under Urban Meyer, and that goes along with your rookies as well. You know, you had a lot of good draft picks. You spent a lot of money in free agency. Yet we're entering week 15, and you have no chance at making the playoffs. It's been a failure of a season. So you really have to kind of take a step back and see what kind of direction your franchise is going. And I think there's going to be a lot of closed-door meetings with Urban Meyer to see what kind of level of patience they exactly want to have with him. But, yeah, I think we can all agree. I mean, it's kind of a gift that keeps on giving for Titans fans, at least when it comes down to it. But, you know, this will be an interesting storyline to see as we move forward. Well, let's talk about this Tennessee Titans team versus – the Pittsburgh Steelers coming up here. How do you see this playing out? Because, you know, you just never know with Roethlisberger. You know, he may want to – you never – he has one more heroic performance, or do you think they're dead now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, how about last week, by the way, against the Jags? I mean, that's the first shutout of Shad Khan's decade-long tenure as the owner of the Jaguars. And the Titans, wow. they've now won nine games for the sixth straight mm. season. That's the third longest active yes. streak in the NFL. So you love to see it. Now, as for the Steelers, they've won three straight. Uh, no, they actually lost to the Vikings, didn't they? But, uh, but, but this is a team that's really struggling when it comes to scoring defense. I mean, they're number 22 in the NFL. They're, they're allowing an average of 24.8 points allowed per game. They haven't finished that low since 1991. That's when they went out and hired Bill Cowher. So, you know, we talk about the word inconsistency a lot when I come out on your show, and the Steelers are definitely one of those teams that's pretty inconsistent. But one thing that I'm really eyeing is how they're defending the run. And, yes, the Titans don't have Derrick Henry, but I think we saw some of the, the, the lanes that were being paid by the Minnesota's offensive front when they played against the Vikings, and anyone could run through those holes. So keep an eye on the ground game with the Titans in this matchup. It's going to be interesting. But I'm definitely leaning towards Tennessee 
as I talked to you guys about last week, it was kind of a get-right spot against this uh, flailing Jaguars team. So this might be another spot for the Titans to kind of raise their hand and let the NFL world know that they're not dead yet. Mm. Well, you're talking about the wins in Vrabel and everything else going to the playoffs, nine wins and everything. And naturally, John Robinson was a part of all of those. I think he got six uh, consecutive seasons uh, uh, of winning records. I think that's the first in uh, Titans-Oilers history. How do you actually, what's the criteria to judge the success of a GM besides the win-loss record? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, that's something you could probably write a book on. But uh, (laughs) I think it really comes down to, you know, there's two things. I'll give you two things that I kind of look at more specifically. And that comes down to how you build a roster. One, of course, is how you perform in the draft. And I think Robinson's had a lot of really good hits. There are some picks that I kind of question, but I think that, you know, you're not going to have a pick that's not polarizing in the NFL draft in in your entire class. But um, I think how teams operate within the draft, not only how they use their first couple of picks, but how they operate in the mid-rounds and the late rounds as well. That's when I really pay attention to these kind of front offices and see where they rate their talent and where they're going to take their shots, what kind of moves they're making in the mid round, what kind of prospects they're targeting. So the NFL draft is kind of a fascinating way and and something that's a measuring stick in my mind um, with how I like GMs and how they operate in terms of where I rate them. The other thing is free agency. and, And that's even a more complicated issue because you have to obviously pay players their money. You know, it's, it's dominated by what the market says, but also kind of looking out there and trying to see if you can, find some um some gems if you will some talent that's not going out for major money some guys that are kind of under the radar that maybe are kind of broken out or ready for a breakout season for example i kind of looked at josh reynolds as one of those players obviously that did not work out in nashville but look he's kind of balling with the detroit lions right now Mm -hmm. Um, but i but I, i look at some of the moves that the general manager is making free agency not necessarily the big names like bud dupree but other guys they kind of went out and got, such as a Danico Autry, that ended up being very big for this team. No doubt about it. We're on with uh, Jordan DeJani, NFL writer for CBS Sports. So, Jordan, Titans fans are torn about what to do on Saturday night. Who should they root for, the evil Colts or the evil Patriots? Oh, man, I have zero idea. That, that's, a really, that's a really good question. I guess, man, I'm sure everyone wants the number one seed and to fight for that. There's no doubt about that, but – the Colts are obviously a clear rival, a team that's somewhat surging, a team that no one really wants to face when we get into the postseason, right? I mean, with Jonathan mm-hmm. Taylor and with how his defense is playing as well, you know, Carson Wentz is going to have some reps more so under his belt as well. This team is not one that people would be excited to see next up on the docket as they reach the end of the regular season. So to answer your question, there is no right answer. There is no right answer. And, and that game is probably one of the most intriguing matchups this this week as well because yeah. Vegas, I believe, has Indy as a favorite, which kind of surprised me. I, you know, I was looking at this matchup thinking this could be a trap game finally for the Patriots. Vegas agrees. They have the Colts as two-and-a-half-point favorites. Now, because Vegas agrees, that kind of makes me want to lean the other way. But in terms of who I'm rooting for, I'm not sure. I still got to sit down and write my gambling column each week. And with all the COVID cases going on this week, I have no idea who I'm going to pick. So it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. Speaking of gambling, uh, Zach Cunningham got waived by the Texans. And it was funny. There were some people who said, oh, he's going to get picked up immediately early on the waiver wire. Other people, including the, the uh, Jason, the over-the-cap guy, said – he didn't think anybody would pick him up, and then he'd become a free agent. Well, he got to near the, near the end of the list, and the Titans picked him up. Curious to get your thoughts on the Titans picking up Zach Cunningham, who, by all accounts, eligible to play this week. 
Yeah, so first of all, when he was waived, I was one of the people that said, okay, yeah, there's going to be multiple claims put in on this guy. We know what kind of a tackling machine he is. And then I saw that Jason OTC, whatever it was, uh, tweet as well. And I trust him more when it comes to the ins and outs of finances and dollars and cents in the NFL. So that kind of gave me pause when it comes to teams potentially claiming him. But sure enough, I mean, when I got that notification, I I was very excited. I love Zach Cunningham, and I'm sure a lot of people in the Mid-State, too, as well, who watched his tremendous career at Bandy and see, you know, what kind of player he is and how he dominates the A-gaps and just the inside linebacker position in general. The Titans kind of are, are in an interesting spot there, you know, with Rashad Evans, Jayon Brown on expiring deals. you got David Long, who seems like he's an emerging star. You go out there and get Cunningham, and I think this is a guy that could definitely help you for a, for a postseason run. You also throw in the element of the change of scenery. This is something that could be beneficial not only for the Titans, but for him as a player as well. I I would have a hard time believing he was loving his time he spent with the Houston Texans and that franchise with how they're operating. Now he gets to play for a rival team and kind of reinvent himself, reintroduce him to the NFL as one of the best defenders in the league. So I love the move. It's something that I would do if I was playing Madden and playing GM, but um, I'm excited to see how it turns out. Jordan Dejani, uh, our guest this time every week from CBS Sports talking NFL. Well, the power rankings are up, I'm sure, with uh, you, Jordan. So give me, uh, I guess, uh, your top three AFC and NFC teams. I love it. It's it's my weekly power rankings of playing. I love yes, it. Yes, I, I love it. it. Hey, yeah. All right. So, it keeps evolving and changing, man. I keep changing yeah. my mind, so I can't even tell you. Oh, I'm totally with you, man. It's crazy every single week. I guess in the NFC – NFC is incredibly interesting, man. I I really like the Packers at my number one spot, but I'm going to continue to bring up Aaron Rodgers' toe. I'm scared that's going to be that little thing that kind of derails their Super Bowl hopes. He's still in pain. He's still talking about it. But at the same time, who really cares? Because he's out there balling, winning games every single week. Now 10-3, tied for the best record in the NFL. Packers at number one in the NFC. And number two, got to put Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And at number three... It's kind of tough, but you know what? I'll give the Arizona Cardinals their credit. I'll put them at number three. In fact, I think that one, two, three is probably where exactly they're seated in the playoff picture. Now, as for the AFC, I'll get a little bit wild here. My number one team in the AFC is going to be Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. We Mm -hmm. saw what they did against the Raiders last week. And I know the Raiders are not a team that was competing for a Lombardi trophy per se, but that was disgusting dominance from the very first Mm -hmm. play of the game. I think the Kansas City Chiefs, everyone could probably agree that they're going to be in contention for a Super Bowl. At number two, I got to give my respect to the New England Patriots. I still don't think that I'm going to put money on them to win it all in Mac Jones' rookie year, but you, you can't lie. They have a great defense, a great offensive front, one of the best rushing attacks in the NFL, and then, of course, the best coach in NFL history. At number three, I'm going to put my Tennessee Titans. They are currently the number two seed in the AFC, but I think a number three spot is probably fair right now. They're getting players back at all three levels on the defensive side of the ball with A.J. Brown coming back on offense. Same goes for Derrick Henry. This is a team that could be somewhat well-rested heading into the playoffs, so keep an eye on them when it comes to a prospective Super Bowl run. Mm, Well, I'm going to ask the back end of that. One NFC, one AFC team, that does not make the playoffs that you go, man, if they would have got in, they would have been a tough out. Ooh, that's an interesting question. So, you know, looking at the NFC playoff picture, 
I don't know if I could bring up a good one. So, for example, Washington is currently in the playoffs right now, but I, I don't think anyone would be surprised if they lost that last wild card spot. Yeah. The Rams are going to make the playoffs. The 49ers are going to make the playoffs. So, to answer your question, that kind of comes down to the Minnesota Vikings and the Philadelphia Eagles. So, I guess the answer is probably Minnesota. Justin Jefferson, one of the best receivers in the NFL. Kirk Cousins kind of been playing some good ball for most of the year at least some problems on defense but the Vikings are right there on the bubble um it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of pull off a run here in the final four weeks and Washington's hanging on by a thread now as for the AFC I think there's kind of an obvious answer here and I don't know if I necessarily am going to put money on this or guarantee this but how about the Buffalo Bills right now six they're, they are the last, just like Washington in the NFC, they are the number seven seed in the AFC. That is the last playoff spot. Behind them are the Cleveland Browns, Cincinnati Bengals, Denver Broncos. Those are teams I do not like. I would not want to watch the Browns or Bengals or whatever play in the postseason. Rather see Buffalo. But Buffalo is trending downwards. Josh Allen is a little bit beat up right now. I think it speaks a lot to this team that Josh Allen was able to go out there and rack up basically a 1,000 yards of offense against the Buccaneers by himself, and this team still lost. They don't have a rushing attack. They're inconsistent in the passing game. The defense might be a little bit overrated. So I like the Bills to probably make the playoffs, but to answer your question, I mean, they're trending downwards right now. Mm, man, Bills Mafia is, is getting table set <laughs> right now yes. to jump through them. <laughs> While on fire. Yeah, man, the table. Yes, we're with Jordan DeJani, NFL writer for CBS Sports. Jordan, thank you, man. Uh, always great catching up with you. Hope you're having a, a great holiday season and uh, look forward to uh, catching up with you again next week, sir. Yeah, you guys too. And on my way out, I want to deliver some news to you from Adam Schefter. Um, apparently, Arizona Cardinals wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins um, is going to miss the rest of the regular season with a sprained knee. So that'll be something you guys can talk about. Hopefully he's back for the playoffs. But that's a pretty big development mm. for those Cardinals who are out there to go get the number one seed. Again, really appreciate you guys having me on your show. Excited to talk with you guys next time. Sounds great. Uh, yeah, DeAndre Hopkins uh, got hurt on a jump ball, uh, left the game against the Rams. So the Cardinals have not only lost that game, they also lost Hopkins during the game. Uh, man, crazy times in the NFL. All right, when we come back, Everybody's talking about the Titans' offensive line. Mike Vrabel talked about them today. Also, it's National Signing Day. Where are the Vols right now, according to Rivals? If you are a Vols fan, you will want to hear this next. It's Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. I think that there's been some really, really good moments. I think that there's some, you know, uh, I don't think it's been a complete, you know, breakdown. I think that there's been, um, you know, missed blocks, uh, you know, pass protection, just mistakes. Uh, but they've had some really, really good performances, and I'm, I'm confident that, uh, you know, we just have to stop having it be one person each and every time. 
and, and I believe that. I, it's not coach speak. We can show you on the film whether it's you know, talking about the offensive line, whether you know, one time it was is Taylor, or one time it's Quiz, one time it's Roger, one time you know. I mean, every it's it's somebody different. Just like you know, maybe a back misses a cut, maybe you know a receiver uh, doesn't run a great route, and you know, that that's that's football, that's offensive football that it's going to take you know all eleven guys doing their job to execute. Mike Vrabel today during his media availability was asked about the Titans offensive line and the pass protection issues. And Blaney essentially said it's, he said, I mean, everybody heard what he said. It's one guy at a time. It's not, it's not this major bus. It's this guy on this play and this, he named people Taylor and quiz. He was naming guys. Are you encouraged when you hear something like that? Like, okay, if it's one guy on every play, just think if those one guy started to get there, whatever their assignment is on that play. Correct. Just, are you encouraged when you hear hey, it's one guy on every play? Well, <laughs> yeah, it, to a certain extent, yeah, I do, because that is that is true. That does happen. But my analogy of what actually happened could be totally wrong, but I feel like the week off hurt the guys in the trenches more than anybody, and I think it was the offensive line. Because you got to think about when the season starts, the offensive line just looks okay. Every year, Vrabel's been under there. And sometimes when you're not having that physicality week in and week out, and even all throughout the two weeks maybe, mm-hmm. uh, just trying to make sure that they stay fresh, uh, it may have take, you know, taken them a little while to get back to that physicality and that timing that you need for everybody to kind of work as one. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I view it. It's somewhat similar to what he's saying, but that happens every game to me. Uh, somebody makes a mess up here or everybody did something right on defense. And then all of a sudden they didn't have contain, uh, you know, or offensive line didn't hook them. And so then that somebody had penetration and, you know, so those things happen every game, to be honest, uh, which you can simulate, you know, the game intensity and actually going full go when you're trying to get everybody healthy. Uh, just think, I think it's been a couple games that we talked about Southfold and the nerve issue right in his shoulder or neck or whatever's going on. But then he was off for a couple of weeks, and all of a sudden it comes right back because it hadn't been getting hit. And all of a sudden it goes, uh-oh, this is alarming again. Yeah. Uh, so, and he was probably feeling great because I, I don't think it bothered him the last couple. It hadn't happened before this game, at least two games. I hadn't seen him get down. Maybe it did, maybe one time. Mm-hmm. But so that's kind of my belief in it, that they'll rev up and they'll be a lot better. Uh, so because without this offensive line, and being able to run block, that kind of hurts everything else. Uh, and that's what's going to really happen when they get in the playoffs. And so they're going to have to be able to pass protect better when they're forced to throw the ball, and they can't be three steps and get rid of the ball. It, it, so the defense are going to be too good uh, in the playoffs. So that's why you get to see a really Tannehill lift up if he has the weapons out there. Uh, so we're still testing the waters with Julio. Yeah, he finished the game and he had a little bit of production, but can he continue it and get better and get more comfortable? And then hopefully have some other guys in the fold. Hey, we're going to have Bud Dupree potentially back. Yeah, he's, uh, he's so see the, if he makes it through practice the return, for the week. Yeah. You know, those abdomen you know deals can be really tricky. Uh, he can look really good at practice and then – you know, you, you know, your core is part of everything that you do as an athlete, and I don't care what sport it is. So uh, just never know when that could go wrong. So I'm just taper it down and don't force it just because you're playing the Steelers.
Uh, 36 seconds ago, here is your practice report for the Titans from John Glennon. Uh-oh. And we'll give you that top 10 news uh, for the Vols. Yeah, I said top 10. We'll give you that what? before we get. Yeah, I'll give you that just one second. Not spotted during the open portion of practice. Jackrabbit, Cruikshank, Carter, Long, Saffold, Murchison, David Long. Another day of mispractice. Returning to practice to your tart. Bud Dupree returned to practice. Also, the first practice for uh, Zach Cunningham. So, uh, the David Long thing continues to concern me. He's missed several weeks now and has never gone on IR, which makes me wonder what they're waiting on or what they thought that would be right that's not right by now, if I can say it that way. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, that's uh, per John Glenn in there. Okay, Vol fans, got to let you go with this, and I know 3HL will be wall-to-wall with this coverage. Tennessee is up to number 10 in this class according to rivals. The last time I checked, 24-7 had not upgraded uh, their rankings. They were number 16 the last uh, time I, mm-hmm. I landed there. But Ryan Callahan was on with us earlier. You can go back and listen to our podcast. He talked about, well, there's one guy that's still out there. Maybe they could get him if they do. That Callahan said that put him in the top 15 for 24-7. James Pierce, uh, 6'5", 220, edge. Um, has committed to Tennessee. That was their big surprise today. Mm, that was huge. That's yeah, big. He's huge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's big time, man. To do what the coaching staff has done at, at Tennessee in recruiting and not getting, uh, you know, a lot of players out of uh, Tennessee and still have this kind of uh, a day is uh, – uh, you got to tip the cap to the coaching staff and hype and crew. Yeah, no doubt about it. So they're going in the right direction for sure. After we saw the season now adding this addition, let alone it's not over. We still got the TP, uh, you know, transfer portal. Yep. Uh, you may lose some guys too to that. You never know, but you got the portal to rely on to go get some players as long as you ante up with the NLI. <laughs> <laughs> not nah, just kidding. So Tennessee, number 10 on the way out. Let's tell you uh, across town for all you Vandy fans. I'm scrolling. A, I'm scrolling. Having a solid, solid day so far 31 on rivals right now too they were 31 earlier today on 24 7 so uh tennessee up to 10 bandy up to 31 we can give you a recap of everything tomorrow martin simmons getting it done him and clack lee there you go first class bandy better than florida says lucas panzeek at the tennessee (laughs) has that ever ever been said before in recruiting probably not Uh, yeah you were the first there you go you said it Congratulations, Lucas. We'll be back tomorrow. More from Lucas Panzika and Blaine and Mickey tomorrow. Time to get out of here, though. Time for 3HL. So Yeah, it's a beautiful day outside. Sure so is. Between time and the meantime. What, Mickey? You know it every day, brother. <laughs> Peace! Peace.